Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pirkei Avos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And we begin with Perikei Mishnah Chafhei, chapter 5, Mishnah 25. The Mishnah begins. He used to say, and according to most opinions, this is referring to Yehuda ben Tema, ben chamishanim lemikra. A five-year-old begins scripture. Now, the Mishnah, just to, to give a little bit of an introduction to the Mishnah, the Mishnah is dealing with the different stages in life. And at what stage do you do what? And we're going to go through it. It begins with education, continues with marriage and strength and understanding. And at each stage, we have different responsibilities, different objectives. And the Mishnah is going to detail for us all the different stages and ages for each uh, for, of a person. Now, the Mishnah begins. Who are you, Aymer? He used to say, Ben A five-year-old begins scripture, which is the Torah. The in Torah, Ben Eser Shanim LeMishnah. A ten-year-old begins studying the Mishnah. So when a person is five, they start to learn the Torah, Scripture, and when they're ten, they start to begin to learn the Mishnah. Ben Shalish Esrei LeMitzvos. Ben Shalish Esrei LeMitzvos. When a person is thirteen years old. He becomes ob- obligated to observe the commandments, right? Bar mitzvah. He becomes bar mitzvah. And for a girl, 12 is bas mitzvah. There's inst- now now they, the child becomes a man or a woman, and they have an obligation to fill the, the laws of the Torah. Ben Chamesh Esrei Gemara. A 15-year-old begins a study of Gemara, which is the Talmud. Ben Shmona Esrei an 18-year-old goes to the marriage canopy, right? It's time to get married. And we know the chuppah is the, the canopy which is used at a wedding ceremony to finish the whole marriage. Ben Esrim, or I'm sorry, or to consummate the marriage. Ben Esrim Lirdoif. A 20-year-old begins the pursuit of a livelihood. Ben Shloishim Lekoyach, a 30-year-old attains full strength. Ben Arboim Labina, a 40-year-old gets to a level of understanding. The Mishnah continues. Ben Chamishim Laitza, a 50-year-old can offer counsel, right? They have a little bit more now to offer to someone else. And we're going to go through these different ages as we go over the Mishnah. There's different lessons and, and ideas which I want to share with everybody. Ben Shishim Lazikna, a 60 year old attains seniority, which is, I guess, a, a higher level of understanding, a higher level of, of understanding. Ben Shivim Laseva, a 70 year old attains ripe old age. Ben Shmoinim Ligvura, an 80 year old shows strength. Right now, this is getting interesting. What does it mean, shows strength for an 80 year old? We'll discuss that a little bit later. Ben Tishim Lasuach. 
that a 90-year-old becomes stooped over. And we're also going to discuss what exactly that means as well. And finally, the last part of the Mishnah says, Ben Meya that he's, the Mishnah says a hundred-year-old is as if he were dead, passed away, and ceased from the world. Now, all these, especially the last few, the last one specifically, seems a little bit negative. What does it mean? The person who, who's a hundred years old is going to have no point to live? No. We're going to discuss later on the Mishnah. We have to go through things one by one. But the, the idea of the, the Mishnah is giving us an overview of the different stages in life, the ages and stages of life, when we're supposed to begin different um, objectives and when we attain certain levels of understanding. And really, before I jump into the mission, I really wanted to discuss the, the reason that's given by, by the commentaries as to why this Mishnah specifically that gives us the guidelines of what we should be doing when is placed next to our previous Mishnah. And as, as I'm sure some of you remember, the last Mishnah dealt with or ended off with a prayer. And we discussed the reason the commentaries give as to why the Mishnah ends off with a prayer. That's for the last episodes. See the last episode. And the prayer that we ended off with is... Right, we said he wrote some of Necha Hashem and Lokeinu Velkeavusenu. She abana beis amigdus from here v'amenu. Sechakeinu b'sarasecha. Me abir will Hashem, our God and the God of our forefathers, that the holy temple be rebuilt speedily in our days and grant us our shear in your Torah. So we're praying for the temple to be rebuilt and that Hashem should give us our shear in the Torah. And we explain that each and every person has their portion in Torah, has their chelek in Torah, that's what it's referred to in Hebrew, that every Jewish person has an area in Torah which is unique to them, for them to connect to. And that the, the Torah was given to the entire Jewish people, not to just one part of the people, to the priests or to the leaders. It was given to everybody. So we all have a portion in it. We all have a, a unique area in Torah that's our portion in the Torah. And that's what we, uh, we're praying for, that Hashem should grant us that portion in Torah, that, that peace that we so desire. Now, it's actually interesting. On a side note, we know that the Torah was given in a desert on Mount Sinai. And the commentaries explain the different reasons why the Torah had to be given in the desert. It was essential, right? And, and the question is asked, it could have been in a, in a beautiful rainforest or in a, uh, a, another type of forest. It would have been much more beautiful and, and special. What was the reason that Hashem specifically desired to give the Jewish people the Torah in a barren and desolate desert. So one of the reasons which is given is that the, the, the Torah was given in the desert is because the desert is a place which is mufka. It's hefker. That's the term in Hebrew. That there's no nobody who owns it. It's totally 
I guess, free. And no one could say that this is my area, right? It's something which is, it's open to every person to access. Anyone who wants could come to the desert. It's not restricted to anybody. So therefore, Hashem wanted the Torah to be given in the desert to send an important message to the Jewish people. That the Torah is also there for each and every Jewish person to access. It's not just for the people who are the priests, the rabbis, the leaders, or it depends on your sociological status if you could gain a portion in Torah, if you could study Torah. Rather, it's for each and every one of us. We all have that portion. And that's the reason why the Torah was given in the desert to teach us that it's open and accessible to all. And this is actually something which is different than other religions because there are other religions seems that the there's a the area of study is more reserved for the uh, i guess the the scholars and the priests it's not necessarily accessible to the the laymen or the regular people and the the reason why this mishnah is next to our last mishnah is that the the message that the, the mishnah is conveying that we it's being conveyed is that although we need to pray for our portion of Torah, it is essential for us to pray that Hashem should give us our portion and we should understand Torah and get a connection to Torah. But it's also important that we do our due diligence, right? There's a term that's used, it's called hishtadlos, that when it comes to, you know, it's used more commonly when it comes to making a living, that al although we believe and we know that Hashem takes care of us. He will take care of us. We still are obligated to do our due diligence, to do our shtadlos, to make a living for ourselves. We have to go through the motions, right? And so each person, the amount of work he has to put in is really dependent on how much his belief in Hashem is. So if a person has a higher level of bitachon, he has a higher level of trust in Hashem, so then he could say, I, I want to work less, and he could rely that Hashem will take care of him. So the, the similarly, it could be said about our Torah study and our connection to Hashem and mitzvos that we can't just pray that Hashem should give us the Torah, give us understanding of Torah. He should open, open up our portion. But rather, we also have to do what we're supposed to do. We have to study. We have to dedicate ourselves to reach those goals and to reach those achievements. We can't just pray that it should all go into our mind. We have to also put in the effort. And when we put in the effort combined with the prayer, God willing, we're going to have more success than we ever imagined. So the reason that this Mishnah is juxtapos juxtaposed to the last Mishnah, which talks about prayer and praying for our portion in Torah, and that this Mishnah, which teaches about the, I guess, what we're supposed to be doing in each stage in life, what age we're supposed to be teaching, what age we're supposed to be studying Talmud? What age we're supposed to be studying Mishnah? What age we're supposed to be coming to understanding? It's to teach us this lesson that it's not just enough to pray. You need to also do action. And in each age and stage, it can be different than the last, right? So for a young child at five years old, they begin learning scripture. They begin learning the Torah, the Psukim and the Torah, the verses. And when a, person, when a child gets a little older, we start teaching them the Mishnah. And when they get a little older than that, they, we, they um, start learning the, the Gemara. And when a person gets older than that, there's time to go out and get married. So the, the Mishnah is telling us that it's not just enough to 
should just dive in. We need to do our ishtadlis as well. We have to put in our effort. And God willing, when we put in that effort and pray, God responds with siyata dishmaya, with this help from heaven, which helps us accomplish more than we could have ever imagined. So it really goes together. Now, another thought, which I wanted just to, to give, which is really an, on the overview of the whole Mishnah, it's a thought that really a lesson that can be learned just from the Mishnah as a whole is, is this idea of different stages in life and the importance of each and every stage that we go through. Many times, human beings, people, we have a tendency to always look forward to the next thing. And I'm sure we could all relate to this. You know, when we're children, we always want to be bigger. We want to be in the next grade. When we're in third grade, we want to be in fourth grade. When we're in fourth grade, we want to be in fifth grade. When we could drive a bike, we want to drive a car. When we want to, you know, when we're, when we're single, we want to get married. When we're in college, we want to go to work. When we're working, we want to retire. When we, when, before we have, when we have, uh, when we just get married, we want to have children. When we have children, we want the children out of the house, right? For every stage, we're always looking to the next stage. We're never focusing on the actual moment that we're in. And I was speaking a little bit today with some of the guys, and I was trying to just figure out why is that like this? Why do we always do that? And, you know, I, I think right now, the only answer I have is just, it's a human tendency. It's something that we do, right? We have this tendency to always look forward. Maybe it's the fact that human beings are always looking to aspire. We're always looking to be better, right? There's that natural um, yearning within ourselves to, to just to improve. So maybe we're always looking at the next stage because we think the next stage is always better. That's just the thought. So the Mishnah is teaching us an important lesson because the Mishnah goes through the different stages of life. Starts with education, to marriage, to livelihood, strength, understanding. All the way, it takes us to all the way till a person is 100 years old. He's lived a full life. And the lesson is, is that when it comes to our situations in life, we have to take a moment and appreciate the present. We shouldn't always look to the next stage. You know, sure, it's good to look forward to things. I enjoy looking forward to things, right? There's a certain excitement that builds when you when you have this something set, a vacation, a, a get-together, a whatever it may be. But at the same time, it's also important that we take stock of the moment that we're in right now. We don't lose focus. We appreciate the situation that we're in. And as I've mentioned many times on this podcast, there's a divine plan. And each and every one of us are part of this plan. We might not understand the whole picture, right? Probably we do not. We might not know why we are here at this moment, at this time with these people. But there is a reason why everything happens as it does. And we have to remember that because if we internalize this thought, this idea, 
it'll help us focus in the moment that we're in right now. And if we realize that the moment that we're in right now is a special opportunity, right? Because if it's if it's divinely ordained that I should be here right now together with you, or that you should be listening to me at whatever time you are listening to me and in whatever place, Hashem decreed that. And there's a reason specifically for me, for you, that this is happening right now. So obviously if Hashem set up the picture like this, there's obviously something good that could come out of it for me and for you. So if we internalize this thought and remember this, we'll, we'll be able to focus on the moment we're in now. We'll live in the moment and we'll be able to maximize it to, to make the best of it and really reach our potential to make the best of every moment. And sometimes I feel like maybe in this generation more than others, not that I could speak for other generations, just my feeling maybe as someone growing up, you know, between before smartphones to during smartphones and all this technology is that sometimes we even forget about looking for the next stage in life where we forget about the now we forget about the moment. No, people are always looking instead of experiencing a, an experience. We're just taking a picture. We're posting it. We're taking a video. You know, it's and and in a way, it's even scary because you see these these pictures on the news or these videos of these crazy situations, and you're, you're thinking to yourself, like, why was the person videoing this? Like, why didn't they do something to help somebody? Right? These these situations where people fall into subway tracks and people are just taking videos. What are they thinking? Like that, that's an extreme of it, right? I, recently, I saw a video of somebody who was. There was, uh, you know, uh, this was all different. They couldn't help the person get out of the, the, the danger, but there was a, tr- a plane that landed on a railroad tracks and the train was coming and there was police. Obviously, there were police officers trying to get this person out of the crashed airplane, which crashed exactly on the tracks. And as the train's coming, you, you see in the video, you hear the train coming and you see this guy about, 10, 15 feet away, just videoing it. And all of a sudden the impact happens, boom. And and all of a sudden he gets knocked over and the pieces of the airplane, I'm flying. It looks like it hit him in the head. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what in the world was this guy doing? You know? So my point is that's an extreme, but many times we forget that just to live in the moment and to maximize the opportunity we have at each and every, I guess, segment of our lives and each and every part of our lives, because in every uh, stage, there's challenges, and every um, you know part of one's life is different challenges, highs and lows. Um, there's smooth sailing. There's things which are easier when someone's older or younger, and vice versa. So we should take the opportunities we have and really use it to make ourselves better people, to improve ourselves, so that in the long run, after a life well live, we can say that we maximize every moment because the only way a person can reach his full potential is if they live in the now and not in the next stage. So that's just an important idea, which I wanted to share with everybody about the, on, with the, about the mission on a whole, because the mission is going through the different stages. And I, and I did feel this is a, something which is a tendency that people have in general. You know, I don't know if everybody is like this, but many, and including myself, we always look for the next stage, the next thing we want to get to. So it's important to try to remember to live in the now 
I mean, it is, again, it is important to think about the future, but at the same time, to remember that we're part of this plan and there's a reason. And if there's a reason, that means there's something I can get out of it. And we should utilize the moment to maximize it and be the best we can be. As we, when we read the Mishnah, as you noticed, it was pretty much intervals of 10. The Mishnah listed, you know, except for the beginning, right? We said five was the time when a child learns scripture. 10 was the time when he learns Mishnah. 13 is Bar Mitzvah. 15 is, is Talmud. 20 is, I'm sorry, 18 was wedding. 20 was livelihood. And then from there, it went in intervals of 10. And according to the commentaries, it's listed in 10 because that, those are the stages of life, except when it comes to the ages of teaching, right? Because we said over there, it was five, intervals of five, five, 10, 15, 20. And the reason this is so is that it's brought down, that the morale explains that when it comes to educational development, the reason why the stages of life are in fives instead of tens, like the rest of a person's life, is because half the effort is from the student and half the effort is from the teacher. And that's why when the, since the student's putting in half the effort, that's five, and the teacher's putting in the other five, so he's able to cover double the amount of ground and, I guess, accomplish the same amount that a person would, would, would be able to achieve in a regular 10-year span. And that's why it's 5, 10, 15. Now, another point which many of you might be thinking right now is that we also listed 13 and 18. And these are not ages which are at 10-year intervals. Rather, it's, right, 13, three years after 10, and 18 is three years after 15. So why the discrepancy over here? I understand why by education it was five. And, but now when it comes to, you know, bar mitzvah or by marriage, it should be listed in intervals of five or 10, right? Wouldn't it have made more sense to list bar mitzvah as 15, right? The same as the time a person starts Talmud or to have the years of marriage at 20 after a person completes, completes a, a five years of studying of Talmud and is ready to, to get a livelihood? Why is it that bar mitzvah, the age of bar mitzvah, is 13, right, for a boy and 12 for a girl? And why is it that the optimal age for getting married and having to be, it's, I guess that's when it begins, the age, the discussion about marriage, 18. Wouldn't it be made sense the Mishnah would list it as 20? So Rebruven Feinstein explains by marriage specifically that the reason why the Mishnah lists it at 18 is because, is because that a, a person is not going to get to his true, I guess, potential in Torah until he gets married. Because he needs that, I guess it's it's a requirement for him to get to that stage. For, so for him to reach his, I guess, potential, he needs to first get married, and then he'll be able to study Torah to the to the fullest. Now, the, the, there are different, I guess, in the Talmud, different Gemaras that deal with this concept. 
how somebody, when he gets married, he, he gets to a higher level of understanding. I'm not going to get into that today, but I really wanted to stretch this idea and apply it also to bar mitzvah as well. Because we know the question was, why did we make bar mitzvah or why was the age of bar mitzvah 13? Wouldn't it be more sense to make it 15 or listening, you know, especially when we're listening to different stages of life, right? Make it the same, make it match up. You have five, 10 and 15. What's the 13? So the first thing to know is that there are scriptural sources, which, which I guess, which we learn out from that teach us that bar mitzvah, the age of bar mitzvah is the age of 13. Number one is Rashi brings down that since it is the age of puberty, that someone can, they themselves uh, produce offspring. So therefore it becomes like once someone can create children, can have children. So it's as if they have a certain level of responsibility upon themselves now. And that's why the age of 13 was chosen. According to Chuvas Harash, there's another answer given is that it was a it was given over to Moshe by Sinai. It's called Moshe Misinai. It was passed over from one generation to the next. And according to the Midrash, it says that we, we learn it out from the verses because we know when Le- Levi, Levi, waged war with Shechem, he killed Shechem, the Torah calls him an Ish, a man, and we know that he was 13 years old at the time. But I wanted to um, just maybe expound on this a little bit more in a different way. That the Torah, you know, again, that a person can't necessarily come to that full level of understanding in Torah unless he has that ability to, to make commitment. And we know that a person who makes decisions and actions that have a consequence to it, those decisions are going to be more consequential and more important to him. So therefore, a person... You know, it, it's it, the, the Torah list. The reason, one of the reasons why that the Mishnah, right, and the Torah lists 13 as opposed to 15 is because in order for someone to, to get to that level of, of I guess, to get to a, a level of um, acquiring Torah, they have to get to a, a point where they can commit and be responsible for their own actions. Okay. So I wanted just to go through the Mishnah now and try to get through the different ages so that we could have a little bit of understanding of the Mishnah on a, I guess, a more, I guess, local level for each one of the teachings, what they mean. Because we did mention earlier that some of the, I guess, the stages and of each age seem a little bit interesting. We said 80 for strength, 90 to be leaned over, 100, it's as if someone died. What's going on? So I wanted to go through some of the different ages that the Mishnah lists, the characteristics of that um, stage in life, and what we could take out of it. So the first, where I'm going to start, I'm going to start by 30. So we said 20 is livelihood. A person has to start earning a livelihood, right? That's, and I think that matches up a lot with what people do today still, right? And, and really for a different podcast would be, you know, the reason why we don't exactly follow this, this age rubric or when it comes to the, you know, teaching children Torah, we, we do a little differently. I, I did hear an answer about it, why we changed, why we do things a little differently now. And even marriage, there's different reasons. People, most people do not get married at 18 years old, but um, that, that's for a different class and a different podcast, not for today. But I wanted to start off with 
30. So the Mishnah said that Ben Shalish Yisrael Mitzvos, that, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. The Mishnah said, one more time, Ben Shleishim Lekoach, that a person who's 30 years old attains strength. So it doesn't mean that necessarily physical strength, right? Because a person becomes fully developed even at an earlier age. But it means spiritual strength, that now a person who's 30 has all his faculties in order. He reached physical maturity. He, re he reached, uh, you know, uh, he reached all the different levels of, of maturity. And now he's ready to, to rumble, I guess. That's the, so he's ready to go. So when it means that someone meets a 30, someone reaches koach, he reaches strength. It means that now he's fully developed as a person and he's ready to go out to achieve greatness. The Mishnah continues. Ben Arboem Libina, that when one reaches 40, he attains understanding. Now, on a simple level, that means that the older a person gets, right, the more able to understand and analyze things, to extrapolate ideas. And when a person becomes 40, it seems that he's able to, to reach this point where he could look at something and, and, and understand it and take a lesson out of it. The Mishnah says, Ben Chamishim by a 50-year-old can offer counsel. That counsel is a little bit deeper level of intellectual maturity. That aside from being able to analyze and take out things, he's able to even offer advice to look at things at an even deeper level, right? So as we go on in life, we get more understanding. Where we have, we have maybe things that we looked at till now in one way, right? We look at differently now that we age a little bit. I'm sure many of you could could tell me this, right? To how we, when we get older, we finally understand things, why certain people act in a certain ways they did, right? So that's a level of, that's the deeper level. So the Mishnah continues, Ben Shishan Lazikna, right? 60 is also another, another deeper level, seniority, that a person attains a level of seniority. And Ben Shivim Laseva, that when a person reaches 70, year old, 70 years old, he attains ripe old age. Now, it's interesting. The, the Torah says, Vahadarta Pnei that there's an obligation for someone to honor an elderly person. And there's a discussion in the Gemara, in the Talmud, about what exactly is this obligation that the Torah gives us to honor a elderly person. And what, what comes out from the mission, I don't want to, from the Gemara, I'm not going to go into the whole Gemara right now, but what comes out is that when a person reaches 70, even an unlearned person, there's an obligation for someone to stand up for that 70-year-old. Right, so a Tamil Chacham, even when he's younger than that, there's an obligation to stand up. A Torah scholar, we need to stand up for them, even when they're very young. But somebody who reaches the age of 70, even if he's unlearned, as long as he's not a avarion, he's not somebody who 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 transgresses the Torah. So then there's a commandment that we have to honor him and stand up for him. So the question is, why is it that there's this obligation to stand up for someone who's 70 years old? What and maybe this can help us understand the Mishnah, that somebody reaches 70, reaches ripe old age, and, and maybe we can understand why we need to stand up from our Mishnah. And we know that the average lifespan that the Torah says of a person is 70 years. And even today in, in the modern world, the average lifespan is about 70-something years old. 
And the Chinuch states, the, the, the Chinuch writes that the reason we have this obligation to stand up for someone who reached 70 years old, even if he's not a Torah scholar, is because as follows. The, the source of this mitzvah is that a person was created in this world that he should be able to recognize Hashem, to recognize the created creator. So therefore, it's therefore incumbent upon us to honor someone who went through life and obviously recognized Hashem because somebody who, who, who lived life obviously and hopefully came to the point of realization that there's a God in the world and he's running the world and he's intimately involved in our lives. So therefore, right? And, and, and therefore it's when we honor this person who lived life and recognized Hashem, hopefully, we also will have an inspiration to recognize Hashem as well. Now, that's so the idea is, is that since a person reaches 70, he lived life and was able to recognize Hashem. So therefore, we have an obligation to do that as well. Now, the Mishnah continues, Ben and we asked that when a person gets to 80, he is 80 is the age of strength. So what does that mean, the age of strength? When someone's 80 years old, he would be, you know, he would seem to be the opposite of strength, that a person starts to, to wane and a person gets starts to get weaker. So what's the Mishnah telling us that 80 is the age of strength? So the answer that it's given by the commentaries is that when it, when it says in the Mishnah, 80 is for strength, for gvura, it doesn't mean physical strength, but rather it means spiritually. Because if a person reached the age of 80, it means he lived past the average age of people. He lived more than other people, the average lifespan of a person. And if he did, it means that Hashem gave him that extra kayach, the extra gvura. He, he gave him that strength to continue. He's, he's, he's like a, he's, he's living above nature, so to say, because really a person's body, right? The Torah says a person should live 70 years. And if this person lived 80 years, it means that he's totally living with the strength of Hashem. He's totally living because Hashem has given him extra strength to continue and to keep going. And that's something that, and God has given him the strength. God alone has given him the strength. And therefore, since Hashem has given him the strength to keep going, he's much more in touch with his spiritual side. He's much more in touch with his, his neshama. The, the, the gvura that we're talking about, the strength that we're talking about is spiritual strength and spiritual vigor because when a person is living totally with Hashem, he's living totally on the, I guess, the, he's totally dependent on God. So therefore, he realizes where his strength is coming from and is therefore much more in touch with his spiritual side. And that's what it means. 80 is the age of strength. Let's just continue with the mission. I want to finish up tonight. Let's continue. We said, Ben Tishim Lasuach. That when a person is 90, he becomes stooped over, right? So in a literal sense, it seems like the Mishnah is telling us that when a person reaches 90 years old, he becomes bent over. His body starts um, falling apart. 
That seems to be the simple understanding of this. But the commentaries give us a deeper meaning and a deeper understanding of this part of the Mishnah. And the Rabbeinu Yona explains that the word lasuach, when it says in the Mishnah that bentishim lasuach, that a 90-year-old becomes stooped over, the word lasuach comes from the Hebrew word siach, which means to talk. It means that, and Rabbi Yonah explains that when a person becomes 90, he should use his talking to talk in divrei Torah, tefillah, and spiritual things. So Rabbi Ruvain Feinstein explains that aside for talking in Torah as the, when a person reaches 90, that they should, you know, they should, I guess, um, heed this advice and focus more on that to, to use their words for Torah study. He also tells us another idea which he wants to take out from this wording of siach, of speaking. That a person who's 90 years old is somebody who has, has been given the gift of a long life. And they're able to see the next generation, that they came from the last generation, and now they are viewing the next generation, the, the people who are going to take over after they leave to the next world. So the, the Mishnah is telling us an important point, that when somebody reaches the age of 90, they have an important job. Their job is to speak, l'suach to give over to the next generation, to give guidance as and, and, and be able be someone that the, the people, the young generation, the young ones can learn from, to give over f- to them your experiences, your advice, your wisdom, which you have gained throughout your life so that they may benefit from your experiences, number one, being from the last generation, and number two, as a person who has lived a full life. So it is an important job which someone who reaches that age bracket has. That they're not someone who's just, mission doesn't mean that they're bent over and that's it. No, it means that they have to talk to the next generation and to give over because we know that every generation we get away from Mount Sinai, every generation, the next generation is weaker than the previous generation. So the, the elderly, the people who are, who are older or 90, they're from a, 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 an age that comes from people who are stronger, who are, more, who are better, who are on a higher level. So therefore, it is incumbent upon them to give over to the next generation and to, to spread over, to give the people a taste of what it was like. And that's what it means, Ben Tishim Lasuach. And the Mishnah finishes off, Ben Mea Kilu Meis Uavar Ubatal Minailam, right? That a, that a person who is 100 years old, it's as if he, he were dead, passed away, and ceased in the world. Now, this seems to be a little bit harsh. What does this mean? And Mishnah is, so, is negative that it seems to be saying that if somebody who's 100 years old, he has no purpose in living, right? He's, he's over his, his body, right? No, we're going to explain very, very, I'm going to explain what this means. I'm just, drawing up the question, right? It would seem from this, from what the Mishnah is saying, but that's not, that's the Mishnah on a simple reading. If you look at the Mishnah again, there's a deep message here, which the Mishnah is teaching us. And, you know, I, I got to call out Joe. He's our centenarian. I want you to, to maybe attest to this after I give over this idea. The Mishnah is teaching us that when somebody reaches a hundred years old, they are free. What does that mean? It means that 
a person who has lived a full life and hopefully they, they, they did good things, they learned Torah, they did mitzvahs, but when they reach the age of 100, they are not um, chained down by this physical world. The things which, you know, challenge us, right? To eat this donut or to not eat this donut, to be involved in this pleasure or to not be involved in this pleasure is not something which is a challenge for somebody who has lived 100 years old. It's sort of like, that's not important to them anymore. They don't need that. So in essence, the, the physical side of a person who's 100 years old, it's like it's dead, meaning they're all spiritual. Doesn't mean that a person who's 100, there's no point in living. That is not the case. In Judaism, we believe in sanctity of life, that every single moment we have is precious because we could, you know, we can accomplish. We can accomplish for ourselves. We can accomplish for others. We could do mitzvahs. We can learn Torah, right? But the Mishnah is telling us that someone who's reached 100, he, he has sort of detached from the physical part from within him. Now he's able to totally, he's on a different plane. He's just concerned or she's just concerned with the spiritual. That's what all that's important to them. That's the only thing that really talks to them, that really gives them that good feeling, right? For people who are younger, right? Sometimes they'll have a, a, you know, a cookie that makes them feel good. But for a person who's 100 years old, they don't need that cookie. That's not important to them. What's important to them, what really gives them that feeling of satiates them, is the spiritual, is the davening, is the learning, is the doing good things. That's what it means in the Mishnah. It doesn't mean that a person who's 100 is like he's gone. It means the physicality within him is gone. And therefore, they could focus totally on the spiritual. That's what talks to them. And that's what really causes them to keep going. And every moment we have is precious. And we should continue to realize that and, and recognize that, that no matter how old we may be, that every moment we have is an opportunity from Hashem to, to be better people and to get closer to him. And with that, I want to finish today's Mishnah. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbi Shlomo Cohen with a K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day.